Hi GP learners, and welcome to an episode of Tip Thursday with me, your host, Dr. Gandalf. On this episode, we're going to complete our series looking at how to use Twitter as a clinician. In particular, we're going to be looking at who you should be following, useful things you should know about using Twitter as a clinician, and my own personal hints and tips. I hope you find them useful, and as always, feel free to comment and contact me on Twitter to let me know what you think. If you want to watch the full video, either follow us on our Facebook page, EGP Learning, or subscribe and follow our YouTube channel, EGP Learning. As always, guys, if you want more information, feel free to contact me and comment, share, keep EGP Learning. See you later. Bye. Hi, EGP Learners, and welcome to another episode of Tip Thursday. On this episode, we're going to continue our series looking at how to use Twitter as a clinician. And specifically, we're going to look at this from the medical perspective today. Um, so in our previous episodes, we looked at the basics of using Twitter um, and also how to do things like create a tweet and what exactly a hashtag is and how to look at your profile. Uh, on this episode, we're going to continue looking at who you can consider following. And again, I'd like to remind you about the Dr. Gandalf UK primary care Twitter list that you can have a look at the people that I would recommend maybe worth following. It's important to recognize that when you follow people, you're, you're following them because they interest you. And particular organizations that may be worth looking at are obviously people in terms of your professional area. So as a GP for myself, this would be things like the Royal College General Practice, um, the BMA and their GP arms in particular, as well as news publications focused around primary care like Pulse Today um, and GP Online and a health technology newspaper. Um, important to remember, people don't always follow their names in terms of hash in terms of their um, Twitter handles. So, for example, um, health technology newspaper, their handle is actually health one tech. This can be for a variety of reasons, i.e. more commonly someone's already taken the one that you wanted. So, again, another example, the reason my handle is not just Dr. Gandalf is because somebody has gone off and created a Dr. Gandalf Twitter handle. And then unfortunately, that account's been left dormant for a while, so I can't use that. Not at all bitter, as you can tell. Um, it's important to recognize when you are using Twitter that there are various considerations you need to make um, and particularly no more so when you are a medical personality. And that's because there are greater restrictions and also oversight in terms of how you use social media as a clinician. Um, each of their representative organizations has their own guidance. So, for example, the BMA has its social media guidance. Royal College General Practitioners has its own social media guidance. And so does the GMC. And depending on where you are and which particular role you have in medicine, um, there are, will be other organizations that can give you guidance. Um, the nuts and bolts of social media guidance is very simple. Don't say anything you don't want repeated. Um, so, you know, if you are in a room full of patients, if you're in a room full of relatives, if you're in a room full of the media, such as the Daily Mail, make sure whatever you tweet, whatever you say on social media is something you are happy and stand by. The other thing to remember is that if you are a personality that has a representative organization um, that you'll make it clear whether or not you're speaking for yourself or you're speaking for that organization. And what you may see in several people's pers Twitter personalities and all they're in their bios is that they will state that this is me tweeting in my personal capacity. That is an important distinction to make because otherwise people may be influenced by what you say based on your, per you know, your representative role. It's not to say it won't still happen, but there is a distinction to be made there. 
Um, I talked about other people you can follow. Well, there are a variety of places that are worth looking at, and particularly from an educational perspective. Um, there are different places you can look for. So one in particular I'd like to highlight is something called GP Journal Club. So this is a system that's been running for coming up to actually three years now. Um, and, and this is basically a um, an hour long Twitter journal club that runs every month or so. Um, and the next one's actually coming up this weekend. And effectively what it is, is that somebody hosts the, the journal club. So they will post um, a, a journal article prior to the meeting itself and um, for people to have a look at and then commonly post a couple of questions throughout the hour and then look at supporting and facilitating the discussion on that particular topic. Um, it's something that runs in a variety of different medical fields. So I've seen various different versions of this in the past. Um, there's been um, medical Twitter journal clubs. There's been ECG classes, for example. Um, so there's a wide variety of ways that you can use this kind of format. The GP Journal Club is, is quite interesting because it's a really good way of collecting CPD. And um, so continuous professional development points and stuff by simply participating for about an hour. It is important to remember that when you engage in these things to follow the hashtags or follow the accounts that are um, coordinating the, the Twitter chats. So for GP Journal Club, they use the hashtag GPJC. Um, and that's just mainly so that people who are actively using that can collate the tweets and all the different information that's happening. The other thing to worth trying to consider when you do that, so if we, for example, click on the GPJC hashtag here, um, when you are participating, it's important to remember Twitter will always default to the top tweets. And that may be why you not, don't see the, the tweets live as you're doing it. A better way is just click onto latest. And then as those tweets come through, you will be able to see the newer ones and respond appropriately. Um, a useful hashtag to follow, um, particularly if you've got interest in medical education, is one called Foam Med. So if we click here, you can see the hashtag itself. Um, and Foam Med stands for Free Online Access to Medicine Education. And this is a, an, an international hashtag, uh, hashtag sorry, that, that has been running for a while now. And basically it's about clinicians providing advice in terms of medical education um, and, and it can be really effective and, and there's really important ways that you can learn from using this. Other hashtags to be aware of, um, so there is hashtag MedEd, hashtag NerdChat, um, hashtag RCGPAC for the annual conference of Royal Practitioners, um, and as well as things like digital health, health tech, variety of other hashtags that are worth looking at. Overall, there's lots of different ways that you can use Twitter. Um, and in terms of different communities that you may come across, there are a variety of these. One that I did want to point out to many of you, and particularly this is useful to the allied health professionals that are watching this video, is something called We Communities. So this was an organization created about three or four years ago, and they've grown and grown and grown to basically provide support for allied health professionals in particular using Twitter. Um, they've got a variety of resources, so again, their own version of how to use Twitter. Um, they also coordinate regular chats um, for various different professionals. So if we click on the About We section, they have particular accounts that are designated for single like We Nurses, um, We Mental Health Nurses, uh, We Pharmacists. And, and as I said, they will coordinate um, regular kind of engagement events with their followers. Um, and actually, it's quite useful to use. They are good communities to tap into, and particularly with our increasing world of um, um, integrated care, working close together can obviously be a powerful resource.
I talked about using previously Twitter as a method of uh, continuing your continuous professional development. And again, there are a variety of ways you can do that. You can obviously copy the tweets into your appraisal if you wanted to, because it is public domain information. There's nothing to prevent you from doing so. One little tip I do create for a lot of the people when I talk about how to use social media in particular for the CPD is creating your own hashtag. What do I mean by that? Well, often you may come across information that you want to keep um, either in a repository or you think is useful or has actually created some reflective learning. And one simple way of being able to coordinate and collate that kind of information is simply going to the tweet. So um, you can pick one. I'm just going to select one from here. OK, so it's not Project Fear, it's Palpable Fear. But effectively, when you click on the retweet, if you go to retweet with comments, and then you can either add a comment if you want to respond to it. But at the end of it, just make sure you put a hashtag that is relevant to you. Now, it technically is impossible to create one that's completely independent because other people may use it. But a good tip I tend to say to most people is that simply create a hashtag that's dated and as well has some elements of being related to yourself. So, for example, if I was to create my own, uh, I would do something like DG, so Dr. Gandalf, Twitter. Um, CPD 2018 um, and for me that should be enough to um, collate a lot of that information that I would then want um, there are a variety of different ways you can create your own and as you'll see as you continue to use Twitter people can get very imaginative with their tweets and particularly with their hashtags and stuff and the benefit of that is you can then just search for that hashtag at your given leisure time. Um, I don't currently do this myself because I have a different way of doing things and I save them to a different format. Um, but I have found this as an effective way for many people to use it. And you can link this with other methods such as um, uh, things like um, if this and that or Zapier, which are systems that allow you to then automatically process tweets with um, particular hashtags to other areas and stuff. Slightly more advanced method, but something can be useful. I mentioned I'd also talk about my hints and tips. Um, so when you're talking to people on Twitter, it's important to remember um, that when you are replying to them, by default, um, Twitter will put that person's name there. So if I was to reply to Dirk Pilet about his, um, it's not Project Fear thing, um, it will reply directly to him. A way to stop that from happening. So if you did want it to be a more public tweet and therefore making that reply a bit more public um, is simply just to write something and then put the person's name in. So if I was meant going to say hi at Dirk and then tag his name, that tweet will now actually be visible for everyone rather than in a sense directly replying to Dirk himself. Um, and, and that's useful to know because sometimes people question well, I've just replied, why can't other people see that in their timelines kind of thing? And, that, and that's one of the reasons. Um, in terms of other kind of tips and stuff, Twitter has its timelines that you should be aware of. So particularly if you're based in the UK, um, interestingly, a lot of people will start tweeting around about six o'clock in the morning, actually. Um, and because that's when the majority of clinicians seem to be getting up and getting ready of their day. And, and as you can imagine, what a lot of people do first thing in the morning is simply check their phone. Not some of the best habits to have, I guess, but it's, it's something it's important to remember. And actually towards the end of the day that there's two times that is generally having a higher medical Twitter engagement, 
which is around about 6 to 7 p.m. And again, around about 9 to 10 p.m. Again, these are based on times when people tend to finish their work as well as um, downtime and that kind of stuff when people may be checking their social media feeds and that kind of stuff. Um, I hope you found a lot of these tips and, and things useful. I'm more than happy to give people advice in terms of other and more significant ways that you may find um, using social media and using Twitter as a clinician to be helpful. Um, and you know, more than happy to discuss those either individually or I'm happy to try and do another video for the guys who found this useful. Um, as always, feel free to follow and subscribe to the various channels that we have. So there's the EGP Learning Facebook page, as well as the EGP Learning YouTube pay, uh, channel um, that has a variety of different things for you to have a look at, including all of the Tip Thursday um, uh, elements and stuff. So, guys, as always, if you've got any questions, feel free to contact me. Um, and as always, comment, share, and keep EGP learning. See you later. Bye.